Our passage today for the sermon will be 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. So it's 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. We'll read it together before we pray and study it together. Paul writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only support, supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this, I'm sorry, for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray together. Father, we sit now underneath the teaching of your word in glad submission to it. And we ask that it would go forth into this sanctuary, into our ears, into our minds, into our hearts, and accomplish its purposes. Please let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning. Let it transform how we think, how we feel, how we see the world, how we use our resources, how we give thanks, how we celebrate this holiday this national holiday of Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. As I began reading that, you might have wondered to yourself, why did he pick this passage on Thanksgiving Sunday? This passage is about giving. That's what Paul is talking about. He is writing to the Corinthian church, the Christians in Corinth, who would have been mainly middle class. It was a very prosperous city. And he's trying to get them to organize a collection gift that he can distribute to poor Christians in Jerusalem. So that's what this passage is. He's he's asking for them to give. And it might seem like an awkward passage to choose for Thanksgiving Sunday, but I think it's a great passage for Thanksgiving Sunday, our Thanksgiving worship service. It has already rearranged things in my heart and given me a new perspective on Thanksgiving because... And this is crucial to understanding where we're, what we're going to look at in this passage. Christian giving is directly linked to thanksgiving. 
Christian giving is directly linked to thanksgiving. And I don't mean the holiday, I mean the idea of giving thanks. Christian giving is directly linked to the giving of thanks to God. Now, I say Christian giving on purpose. I do think Christian giving is different from the world's giving. It's distinctively Christian because Christians are different from those who do not have Christ. So in Jesus Christ, you have been reconciled to God. In Jesus Christ, you have been reconciled to God. And now you have this new life of relationship with the God of the universe. This new life in which you have um, a father, whereas spiritually speaking, you were an orphan. And you have this glorious calling to worship him and honor him in all that you do. Whereas before becoming a Christian, you were living a meager life of self-preservation. Okay, Because of this relationship with God, your giving is different now. Christian giving has different resources and different results. And what I'd like to do is show you in this passage how Christian giving has different resources and different results and what that has to do with thanksgiving. That's my, that's my, my aim during this sermon. So first, Christian giving has divine resources. Christian giving has divine resources. If you are a Christian, you have greater resources to be generous than anyone else in the world. Christians have greater resources supplying their generosity than anyone else in the world because God funds Christian giving. Now, I've told you before that as a Christian, you're uniquely suited to be generous and gracious with people because of all the grace and mercy and love and blessings that you've received in Christ. So you're just, you're full of, of this love of God. And so you have an abundance to offer to other people. This is a little bit of a different angle. Okay. You are also uniquely suited to be very giving and generous because God promises to fund it to underwrite it. He is the biggest donor to Christian giving. Look at the passage with me. Let me show it to you. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. See how comprehensive that is? God is able to make all grace, all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So first off, just acknowledge God is able to do that. God is able to give you everything you need all the time so that every opportunity for every good work, you can abound in generosity. He's able to do it. He owns the heavens and the earth. Everything is his. So as we think about the Syrian refugees, okay, I'm not getting into the politics of should we, shouldn't we, how should we. I'm just wanting us to acknowledge right now that God is able to make all grace abound to the Christians of the world that we could abundantly supply the needs for everyone. 
Every refugee, not even just the Syrians, every refugee in the world. He is able to give this amazing abundance. Okay, now that's just a statement that he's able to do it. That's not yet a statement that he will do it. So let's keep reading. In verse 9, he quotes from Psalm 112, which is a psalm all about a righteous and generous person, how, um, how well cared for he is. So the quote says, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And then go on to verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So in verse 8, we got a glimpse of what God is able to do. And now in verse 10, we get a glimpse of what God says he will do. What does it say he will do? It says he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and the harvest of your righteousness. Now there's certainty there. He will do something for us here. But there's a little bit of a catch. Did you see the catch in the verse? He will multiply your seed for sowing. So the basic idea of the passage is be generous because God is able to give you everything. Okay, but the big idea is not give more so that you can get. The big idea is not the more you give, the more you'll get. The big idea is the more you give, the more you'll get to give. The more you give, the more you'll get to give. That's the idea in verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The less you give, the less you get to give. The more you give, the more you get to give. Now, the televangelists of our age have co-opted this seed-sowing metaphor and corrupted it. And many of you have seen some of these folks who will tell you, if you'll send a seed gift into my ministry, God will bless you tenfold. You give me $1, God's going to give you $5. You can go to McDonald's. You give me $10, God will give you $100, and you can go buy a new golf club. You give me $100, God will give you $1,000. You give me $500, God will give you a new car. Now, that's an absolute corruption of what this is saying because God is not promising if you're generous, he'll give you luxury. He's saying if you're generous, he'll give you more so you can keep giving more. Do you see the distinction there? It's very important. This is a stewardship issue. You remember the parable of the talents? He gave different people different amounts of talents. The ones who used them well, he gave even more. The ones who used them poorly, he took away even what they have. Okay, what he has given you was given to you to use well and generously. And as you do use what he has given you generously, he promises to give you more to continue to use generously. Look at verses 10 through the first part of 11 again. He who supplies seeds to the, seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Why? For what reason? Because he wants us to be super-duper comfortable in this world? No, you will be enriched in every way. 
to be generous in every way. Every way in which you have been enriched by the Lord is so that you can be generous in that way. Everything you've written on your Thanksgiving leaves that the Lord has blessed you with, he gave that to you because he loves you, and he gave that to you to use well, to glorify him through being generous. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Think about, think about it in terms of our deacon's fund. When you give an offering to our deacon's fund, 10% goes to crisis assistance ministry, who they're very organized in how they help people in Charlotte deal with uh, emergency financial needs. 90% of it, the deacons keep in a fund so that they have resources to help people as people have need among us. Uh, people in our congregation and, and people we're connected to. And many of you have been assisted by it, and many of you have donated to it. When we're able, we donate to it so that when something happens, our car explodes or we get some unexpected medical expense, we can rely on each other, and it's available to us. Okay, now, imagine that you have been giving generously to the deacons fund, and over time you start to notice that all the deacons are getting a little robust <laughs> around the waist. And you're starting to notice that they're starting to meet weekly instead of monthly. But they don't meet at the church anymore. They meet at steakhouses and nice restaurants. And you find out they're using your deacon fund contributions to go eat out and and get fat on, on what you've been giving them. You gave that to them to use to bless other people, not to use for themselves. See, that's in essence what God is telling us here. I gave that to you to use. I didn't give that to you so you could grow fat on all these blessings. I gave that to you to use. You're meant to be a pipeline of my blessings and my generosity to other people. And so the principle here is the more you do use what God gives you to be generous to others, the more he gives you to give. The more you give, the more you get to give. And the flip side of the principle holds true as well. The less you give, the less you get to give. The springs run dry. Now, if you remember from our studies in Proverbs, principles are not the same as rules. Okay, it doesn't mean that if you next week give $10 to the deacon's fund, when you go out to your car by the door, you're going to find a $20 bill. And then the week after, you can give that to the deacon's fund. Okay, it also doesn't mean that if you're having financial trouble, that that absolutely means that you've been stingy. Okay, there's lots of factors that play in, but generally this principle holds true. God loves when his people are generous, and so he supports that, as you would expect him to. He funds it. So as we approach Thanksgiving, and you're writing these notes of thanksgiving on your leaves and we're sharing these testimonies and maybe your family has a tradition where you share things you're thankful for before you eat the big thanksgiving meal as christians we need to think about these blessings as seeds in our hand that god has given us okay he gives it to us because he loves us but he also gives it to us so that we can get engaged in his good work in this world so that we can then use that to sow, and sow bountifully. And then as we do, we reap bountifully. These riches he's given us are forgiving. As we gain more, as we get increases in our financial 
you know, well-being. And, you know, if you get a raise, the American thing to do, and we all do it, is we raise our standard of living correspondingly. We immediately absorb that new income into our standard of living. But what this passage would have us do is first consider raising our standard of giving. I love the story of Rick Warren and how he handled his finances when he had the unbelievable uh, success of writing A Purpose Driven Life. And many of you may know how he handled that. He got an unbelievable influx of cash. That book was one of the most successful books in history. And he had money just pouring in from that book. And as I understand it, he didn't raise his standard of living at all. As I understand it, he still lives in the same modest house, drives the same old cars. And what he did was over time as that money kept coming in, was he just raised the percentage of his his tithe from 10% up to 90%. So now he only keeps 10% of what he earns, and he gives away 90%. And he used that money to start aid organizations. I know he's, he's real big into helping uh, impoverished com- countries that are dealing with AIDS. That's a great example for us. That's a really good example. Christian giving is different because Christian giving has divine resources behind it. And you might be saying, I'm not Rick Warren. Okay, I have not received massive influxes of cash lately. In fact, I am paycheck to paycheck. I'm just trying to get the most important, most urgent bill paid in the right sequence so I don't get in trouble. And God understands that, and I understand that. But what I would encourage you to do is give what you can and watch what you can increase over time as God sees your faithfulness. I'm not saying he's going to make you rich. Just saying you might find that you are blessed with a little bit more abundance so that you can give a little bit more. And I'm not even taking up a special offering during this service. This is not a manipulative plea for you to give money. This is a joyful gift that God gives us. That's why the passage ends with, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So the first way I wanted to point out to you that Christian giving is different is that Christian giving has divine resources. The second way is that Christian giving has divine results. It has divine results. Yes, Christians have greater resources to be generous than anyone else in the world. Christians also have higher, greater motivation to be generous than anyone else in the world. Our motivation to give is not just so we'll feel good. And that's not a bad motivation to give because it does make you feel good. I saw a book in the library this week that it's a secular book all about the scientific research on the psychological benefits of being generous. We're made to be generous, so yes, it is good for you, but there's a higher motivation. Okay, And it's not even that in our generosity we will meet the needs of other people and help people. That's good. That's a good motivation, but there's a higher motivation. Okay, The Christian ultimate motivation for generosity is not our own well-being or even the well-being of others. It's God's glory. God is glorified through Christian generosity. 
And that's, that's the ultimate aim of why we even exist, to worship and bring glory to God. That is your function. That is your main purpose in life. And generosity is a great way to go about that. Why does Paul want these Corinthian Christians to give generously to the poor Christians in Jerusalem? Why does he want them to do this? Let's look back starting at verse 11. He writes, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And here's the ultimate motivation, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, it's, it's doing that, and that's good, but it's not only doing that, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Paul doesn't just want them to be generous because it's good for them to be generous, and he doesn't just want them to be generous because the Jerusalem Christians need help. He wants the worship. He wants the thanksgivings that this is going to stir up among the church. He wants the thanksgivings that the Jerusalem Christians are going to be offering up. He wants God to be more glorified. And the more generous we are, the more glorified God is. Have you ever experienced being the recipient of someone's generosity right when you need it? And have you experienced that bubble of Thanksgiving worship that starts to rise up within your chest and and come out? It may come out in tears. It may just come out in you telling people how thankful you are. It may come out in shouts of praise. But have you ever felt that? I know Meredith and I have. We've had several instances where someone was generous with us, out of the blue, and we knew it, it came from God's good, merciful hand. And Man, it made, us, it made us worship. You know, we just finished our um, Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. We prayed over them last week, and many of you came and helped pack, and many of you donated so we can put those boxes together. Why do we do that? Yes, it makes us feel good. And yes, we want those children to, to have a happy, a happy day, a happy Christmas. But more than that, we want the worship. We want those children to say the God behind these Christians is good. We want the thanksgivings. You know, we just did Penny Crusade recently. Why do we give the Penny Crusade? Yes, it's good for us to give and Yes, we want to supply the needs of our world outreach department and those missionaries. But beyond that, we want the worship. We want those missionaries and those people at ACGC, as they receive God's provision, to just well up with worship and thanksgiving to God. With our deacons fund, we don't just want to meet needs. We want the thanksgivings. We want God to be worshipped. And it's beyond just financially giving to causes. You who are caring for your aging parents, why do you do that? Yes, you want them to be taken care of, but there's an even higher motivation. In them, you can produce thanksgivings to God. Your service to your aging parents 
can produce in them worship. And so God perhaps has blessed you with, with time. Maybe you've, you've got some time. And you use that time generously for your aging parents or your children or whoever. And as you do, it turns them upward to God saying, thank you so much for my daughter, my son, my mom, my dad. Thank you so much for blessing me in this way. And as you do, there's this cycle of God gave you the resources for it and God gets the resulting praise for it. That's what we're after in Christian generosity. Your family is coming over for Thanksgiving and you're hosting and it's a huge pain in the rear. You've got to clean, you've got to decorate, you've got to shop, you've got to cook, you've got to deal with the aftermath. Why do you do it? Well, it's the tradition. Somebody's got to do it and now my family's in charge. Or no, I I like Thanksgiving and I love my family and I want it to be good. I want them to have a good Thanksgiving. Okay, that's good. I want everybody to have that full belly after the Thanksgiving feast and feel that that warm, familial love. That's good. But there's an even higher motivation. In that service, you can be producing Thanksgiving in these people. In that service, these people can praise God because God has provided them with such loving, warm service among their family. What a motivator. What a motivation to be generous. Thanksgiving is, I really like Thanksgiving. The type of food that we eat at Thanksgiving is my very favorite type of food. It's a great holiday. I love the autumn time of year. But for Christians, we ought to be the best at Thanksgiving. <laughs> this, we ought to be really good at this. Okay, not only are we recipients of unbelievable blessings, so we have so much to be thankful for, but we actually have been recruited into God's Thanksgiving brigade of producing thanksgivings in each other and in the world around us. So as we go through this week, we're not just recipients, we're producers. Our homes are production facilities of thanksgiving. Our kitchens are production facilities for thanksgivings to God. Our cars are thanksgiving production vehicles. Okay, all the resources we've been giving, given are given to us to produce thanksgiving like farmers sowing seed. Beneath us is God's grace, above us is God's glory, and we have every resource and every reason to be generous. So this Thanksgiving, I want to encourage you, as I've been encouraged by this passage, to sow bountifully. It might be financially, it might not be. It might be sowing bountifully of just your energy and giving attention to the people around you who are starved for attention a listening ear to the people around you who are starved for someone to listen. It might just be time. People need somebody who's willing to give them some time. I think in our American culture, time is harder to come by than money for many of us. Use what you do have. And I promise the more you give, the more you'll get to give. You won't be driving up in a Rolls Royce next week. But I think you'll find that As you give, God will continue to supply you what you need, the energy, the time, perhaps even the money, to continue to be generous. Sow bountifully and reap bountifully this Thanksgiving. Be generous in every way. Produce Thanksgiving this Thanksgiving. Produce Thanksgiving in the people around you this Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You are so good 
and so awesome. And we don't even deserve to be able to do this, to pray. And yet through Jesus Christ, you've made a way for us to be cleaned up and reconciled to you and adopted and to be your children. And you didn't even stop at that, but you allow us to to participate in what you're doing. And it's just such an, an honor and a privilege. And Lord, I personally ask that you would forgive me for my own stinginess and selfishness with my resources, particularly my time and energy. And I pray that you would forgive us all for our stinginess and pick our, our heads up to, to see the exhilarating opportunity we have to glorify you through our generosity this Thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.